0: Now, today we are uh, concluding a series that we started back on Easter Sunday. It seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? But it was just like, uh, about three or four weeks ago, and we started this series called Rise. And in this series, we talked about how because Jesus Christ has defeated death, that you and I, we can rise above all the bad news that comes into our world, can't we? Because we know that that's not the end of the story that God has so much more in store for us. It's not the end of the story. We get to rise above even the bad choices that we make. We've all made bad choices. In fact, we make them all the time, don't we? But we get to rise above even the bad choices that we make because we know that the mercies of God are new every single day. Isn't that good to know? Isn't that great? I am so grateful for God's love that's never ending, for his mercies that are new every day. We get to rise above even life's greatest enemy, which is death, because Jesus walked out of the tomb, right? And because of that, uh, we win. We win. You know, when you know that you've won, it changes everything, right? When, when you know you've already won, it changes the way you play the game. And so this, this, this fact that Jesus has risen from the grave, it gives us this unimaginable hope. This hope that we have every single day. Now, we said in that message that biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's not, I hope Jesus is really who he said he is. And I hope that he forgave me of my sins. No, it's not that at all. It's this confident assurance that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know that what the Bible says is true, that Jesus is who he says he was, and that in this verse, as we, as we have read in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. I love this. I want you to read it with me again. I've been just pressing you with this verse. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have everything to look forward to, including a future in heaven, and the future starts right Now, you don't have to wait until you go to heaven to begin experiencing the victory that is ours in Jesus. Isn't that good to know that you can live in that victory right now? You can live in that joy right now. You can live in that new purpose and meaning right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. But sadly, so many people live their lives as if they're in the gutter. They're in the basement. They're they're as low as they can get. And and they live with these, these critical spirits and these negative attitudes and these bad dispositions. And they've got junk going on in their mind that they should have gotten rid of a long time ago. Just stuff they should have discarded. Broken things worthless things useless things that that should have been discarded a long time ago and they're they're kind of basement living people and you don't have to live there you can rise above that in fact you can you can move on up to the ground floor and that's a little bit better than the basement right but even on ground floor people tend to get stuck don't they People get stuck. It's like sometimes they get onto an elevator and they forget to push the button or for some reason or another, they just stay stuck on the ground floor and, and they don't experience what, what God has for them. They don't, they don't experience the wonder of it all. They don't experience the excitement of life and the joy and the thrill of the victory that's ours. They, they don't experience it. And, and it's been a long time for some that they've had one of those experiences like what we talked about last week when the disciples, they, they were just awestruck at what Jesus did. And they, were, they, 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 had, they had one of those, you really are the son of God experiences. When's the last time you had one of those? You really are the son of God. And, and, you, and you won't have those as long as you stay stuck on the ground floor. You've, you've got to step out. You've got to take steps of faith, and you've got to believe that, that God is calling you to something greater, something bigger, something better, and that you really can live life to the fullest. The sky really is the limit. The sky really is the limit if, and this is a big F, okay? This is a big F if you are willing to make and keep commitments, all right? You've got to be willing to make commitments, and you've got to be willing to keep your commitments. People who make and keep commitments begin to experience things that people who don't make commitments experience. You get to to see things that people who don't make commitments get to see. And and so you make discoveries that other people fail to see. When you begin following God, when you begin stepping out of your comfort zone and and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know what God's going to do? God's going to take you to some places where you're not sure whether you should run in fear or stand in awe. You know what I'm talking about? God will take you to some places where you're not sure whether you should laugh or whether you should cry because you don't know. I mean, everything in you is just, I don't know. I mean, this is awesome. This is awesome. But I'm just not sure what I, how I feel about this because I haven't experienced this before. And then God comes through. And then you have one of those, ah, you really are. You really are the son of God. You have one of those kind of moments. But it starts with commitment. Now, what is commitment? What is commitment? It's a big word, it's a powerful word, but commitment is the ability that you and I have to stick with the decisions that we have made long after the emotion in which the decision was made is gone. It's the ability to stay with the decision, to stick with it long after the emotion in which the decision was made is gone. How many of you have ever made a decision in the heat of an emotional moment, only a week later or maybe a year later, you have kind of like what's buyer's remorse and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? And now you're fighting with everything within you to keep your commitment you know maybe you attended some seminar and or maybe it was some pastor who says you can do this and you're going yes I can do this you can go farther yes I can go farther and so in the in the in the emotion I'm not a motivational speaker so I don't have to worry about that but but it's in the it's like a like a timeshare presentation you know you get all excited you make the decision and in the emotion you say yes And then a year later, it's like, this is harder than what I thought. And I can't do this. And sometimes we, we'll, 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 be, we'll do this. We'll say, okay, God, I'll tell you what, I'll make a commitment. I'll move, but you provide the resources first right? I mean, don't we do that all the time? We, in, in fact, we, we even come to the conclusion that if he doesn't provide the resources, then it must not be God's will, right? <laughs> well, it's not his will, didn't provide the resources. I don't think God works that way many times. In fact, if you look in the Bible, what, what, what I tend to see is that we commit, then we act, and then God provides. But so many times he'd say, no, 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 God, you, pro- you provide for me, and then I'll think about making a commitment. I mean, even after he provides, we're not even sure we're going to make the commitment or not. And so where's the trust in that? Where's the faith in that? I submit that there is none. There's no faith. There's no trust in that. Trust is, is when you say, no, I'm going to make the commitment. I'm going to step out, and, 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 and I'm going to trust God to move. I'm going to trust him to provide. That's what commitment is. I'd, I love this statement uh, on commitment. It says, until I am committed, there is a hesitancy. There's a chance to draw back. But the moment I definitely commit myself, God moves also. And a whole stream of events erupts. All manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, persons, and material assistance, which I could never have dreamed would come my way, they begin to flow toward me the moment I make a commitment. When Ann and I moved here uh, over 26 years ago now to start this church, once we made the commitment, God began providing everything we needed to make it happen. It's interesting, he didn't provide it until we made the commitment. But once we made the commitment, he began providing everything we needed for this church to take off. Most importantly of which, were people. Because when we moved here, we didn't know anybody. And so what God did, he began moving in the hearts of people. People like uh, Bruce and and Debbie Douglas and, and Bob and Naomi Glenn, John and Sue Thickens, Dan and Terry Ferris. Bob and Judy Vole. Bob was our first guitarist. He's out there at the Sandy campus. Way to go, Bob. He's, he, I call him Rockin' Bobby vole and, and uh, he was our first guitarist, still playing out there in Sandy. And I think of these people. God provided these people, these, these, these people resources so that, so that we could do what God had called us to do. You see, life with God begins by making a commitment. But if you want an adventurous faith, if you want a faith that will sometimes scare the wets out of you, that I say wits, the wits out of you. Scare the, I sound like I said wets, like wet in your pants. If you, if you want a faith that will scare the wits out of you sometimes, even a dangerous faith, then, then you have to sometimes step out into the uncomfortable. But you do that by making and keeping commitment, so how do we do it? How do we rise higher than ever? Because what I've discovered is persistence will get you there, but commitment will keep you there. And so how do we rise higher? How can we live this life where the sky really is the limit if we make commitments? How how can we make and keep these commitments? I wanna take you to one of my favorite passages of scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 through 3. Look at this scripture with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of, what's that word? Say it with me. Witnesses. Witnesses. Okay, those of you our campuses, you say it with me. Witnesses. Since we're surrounded by these witnesses, let us throw off everything that does what? That hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Let us do what? Everybody say it. Amen. Fix. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the, the what? The joy, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Read the rest of this with me, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's from that passage of Scripture that we can gain a lot of principles that will help us to, to live a life of commitment to where we make and we keep our commitments. And so here they are. Here's number one. Remember, others have done it before you. Others have done it before you. Sometimes it's just good to know that other people have done it before you because it encourages you and it helps you to believe, well, if they can do it, guess what? I can do it too. I can do it too. And you'll see it in this, this line. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, these these spectators. Okay, all of these witnesses are are watching us now. Who's he referring to? Well, specifically. The writer of Hebrews, we'll say it was Paul. We'll say that Paul was, specifically he was referring to, the, the list of people in chapter 11 that's oftentimes referred to as the, the, the hall of faith, okay? All of these people who followed God, uh, who stayed true to their commitment, and even, even to the point of death. But what I want you to notice about this, that this, this word here, witnesses, it doesn't mean spectators. It doesn't mean that they're sitting up in heaven and they're like, like looking over the edge and, and looking down. Oh, there's George. Hmm. I wonder why he did that. Hmm. You know, or oh, there's George. Oh, go for it, George. No, no. no. It's, it's not that there's spectators watching us and, and cheering us on. That's not the, the idea. It's not, it's not people who are witnessing what we're doing. What it means is they're bearing witness that it can be done. That's what what the witnesses are. They're bearing witness to the fact it can be done. It can be done. And and so you and I have to remember those who have done it before us. God's Word translation says this. We are surrounded by so many examples of faith. We're, We're surrounded by these examples of faith. And let me ask you a question. What examples of faith do you need? in your life today? What examples of faith do you need? For example, some of you here may be struggling with your marriage and and you're wanting to give up on your marriage. You're wanting to throw in the towel. You need an example of faith. You, You need an example of someone who has gone the distance. Somebody who's been married, you know, 40 and 50 and, and, and even 60 years, and they've been through the mountaintops and they've been through the valleys, and you need that example of faith. And, and, and they look at you and they say, You can do this. You can do this. Some of you are, are maybe here and, and you're struggling under a, a mountain of debt, and, and you want to, to be out of debt, but you're thinking, It's just no way possible. I've tried and I've tried. And you need someone to come along in your life and say, I know what you feel. Because we were there too. We had so much debt, we thought we'd never get from under it. But this is how we did it. And, and that person can be an example of faith for you. Maybe you're going through some kind of a crisis moment. It, it could be the death of a loved one, a child, or a spouse, or, or, or some other kind of crisis. Maybe you've lost a job or, or something and you need that example of faith, somebody who says, I know what you're feeling because we've been through that too. And you latch onto those people, you, you find those people and you connect with those people because you need those examples of faith because, because what you see is when, when you see they've done it and they're saying you can do it too. And you believe the reality that, that if it's been done by others and who've gone before you, then, then you can do it too. Here's the second thing. Let go of whatever is holding you back. If if you're going to keep your commitment, you've got to let go of what's holding you back. Sometimes you and I fail to keep our commitments because we won't let go of things that we should have let go of a long time ago, and and they're they're causing us to, to flounder in the commitment that we've made. Paul says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. You notice Paul here suggests two categories of things that can potentially keep us from going the distance. He first off says everything that hinders, circle that phrase, everything that hinders. What's he mean by that? Well, these are things that aren't, aren't necessarily bad. They just aren't the best things for you. The, these are things that, that, that aren't necessarily wrong. They just aren't necessary and, and you don't need them in your life. And there is something about them. They're holding you back. And, and they're slowing you down. They're, they're, they're hindering you. And then he, t- he talks about these things and the sin that so easily entangles us. In this context, here, what I believe Paul was saying was the sin of disbelief, because he's just finished talking about this great lineup of people of faith, no less than 20 people uh, listed in chapter 11, and 21 times. In, in that chapter, at least 21 times, that the phrase by faith or through faith is used. And so I think the context here and, and the sin that hinders is this sin of disbelief. And, and you doubt. You, you've often heard me say that the greatest thing you can say to your heavenly father is not, God, I love you, but it's, God, I trust you. And many times you and I, we don't get out of the basement. Many times we don't get off of ground floor. Many times we don't step into an adventurous faith because the truth of the matter is we don't trust God. We don't believe God to, to, to come and help us and to provide for us what we need. And so we have to figure out what is that, that sin that so easily entangles? What's the thing that's, that's holding me back? For you, maybe it's not Uh, disbelief that you need to let go of. But you know what it is. What do you need to let go of in in order to keep the commitments that you've made? What do you need to let go of? Might I suggest that some of you need to let go of fear? You're afraid of the unknown, and and, and so you you think, I'm just going to walk away. Some of you need to let go of control and and that sense of security that you think you get because you're going to keep everything under your control. Some of you maybe need to let loose of the baggage that you've been dragging around for years and and years and it's just holding you back. Some of you need to let go of of bitterness and resentment and that hurt. Somebody hurt you years ago. And it's having a devastating effect on your commitments today. I don't know what it is for you, but, but, but there are things like this that we need to let go. Addictive habits, grudges that we hold on to, all of these things. The simple question is, what do you need to let go of in order for you to keep your commitments? Here's number three. Don't let discouragement get the best of you. Don't let discouragement get the best of you. You know what it's like to make a commitment. And then all of a sudden you realize things aren't happening as fast as you hoped they would happen. Things aren't changing the way you thought they should change. Things aren't turning out the way you thought they should turn out. And so as a result, we we get discouraged. Paul says here, let us run with perseverance. Circle that word, perseverance. Perseverance. He says, Let us run with perseverance this race that's marked out for us. The word perseverance means to wait with patience. To wait with patience. One of the reasons we break our commitments is because we're impatient. And things aren't developing as quickly as we hoped they would develop. And so we, we don't persevere. We lose patience and we throw up our hands and we walk away. When many times, Victory is just right around the corner. How many of you have heard the phrase, good things come to those who wait? You've heard that? Sure. And it's true, isn't it? For those of you who've waited, for those of you who've been faithful to your commitments, good things come to people who wait. But along the way, there's discouragement, right? Again, I remember when, when Anne and I moved here and started this church, I remember within the first four years, I was so discouraged because we couldn't get beyond 200 people. And in, in, church, in church life, in church world, uh, there's a barrier referred to as the 200 barrier. And, and, that's, and most churches never get beyond 200 people, and there's lots of reasons why. But, but I was discouraged because we couldn't get beyond 200 people. We were four years and we were 180 people. Couldn't get beyond, I was so discouraged. And then I was so discouraged because we, we couldn't find property. To build. I was knocking on door after, door after door after door around here. Couldn't find property. It was six years before we finally were able to buy this piece of property. Six years. And then after we purchased the property, it took forever to be able to build. We waited another nine years before we were able to move into the... I mean, it's a long time. And so if you, if you do the math, that's 15 years of setting up stuff and storing stuff. Setting up stuff and storing stuff. And I was getting discouraged by all of that, but because we persevered and because that little small group of people persevered, all of a sudden we went beyond 200 and then we were 400, then we were 700, then we moved into a building and then we were like 1400 and, and, and things began to take off because we persevered. You see, one of the big challenges that you and I face today is we live in a culture that's an instant gratification kind of culture. It's an on-demand culture. It's I've got to have it now culture. And we're too impatient. And because we're too impatient, we walk away. We bail. We bail on the relationship. We bail on the marriage. We bail on the church. We bail on the job. And and we don't hold true to our commitments. This is what I've discovered, is is that faith, faith by nature requires a commitment. And commitment by nature um, leads to, to struggle. And the struggle leads to discouragement. And so what you and I have to do is we have to make the decision. Am I going to lean more into my discouragement or am I going to lean more Into my faith. Where are you going to put most of your energy? Uh, A lot of times we put most of our energy into what we're discouraged about. And we put no energy whatsoever into our faith. And I would suggest put your energy into your faith to believe God, to trust God, and He'll take care of the rest. But you have to be able to do that. And and that that takes time. Verse 3 says, Consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and so that you will not lose heart. Jesus faced opposition. How many of you have discovered that when you make a commitment, you are going to face opposition in keeping that commitment? Raise your hand if you you have discovered that. Okay, like 10 of you. All right, good. The rest of you then I assume you've never made a commitment. Because you're gonna face opposition and you know where that opposition is gonna come from? Some of it's gonna come from within. You're gonna start doubting yourself. You're gonna start second-guessing yourself. When, when Anne and I, again, we, we moved here, I remember us distinctly praying, God, would you help us now that we've made the decision not to second-guess ourselves, not to always be looking back, because sometimes looking back and second-guessing yourself is a distraction. And, 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 and so, you're going to face struggle. If some of it's going to come from within your own fears, and, and a lot of it's going to come from without. There are going to be people who will tell you, you can't do it. You may as well give up. You may as well, you know, walk away. And you'll have people who are more than eager to tell you that. Because, you know why? Because that's what they did. That's what they did. Here's number four, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. All along the way on our journey with Jesus, there are so many things that can distract us. There's so many things that can distract us and cause us to lose our heart and, and to break our commitment. And, and you want to look back. And again, that's, that's a distraction. You got to stay focused. Sometimes we don't look back. What we do is we we'll to look to the, to the myth of greener pastures, right? We look to the, we think there's greener pastures and so we break our commitment because, well, there's greener pastures over there. You know, I'm gonna run to another church cos there's greener pastures over there. I'm gonna run to another relationship because there's greener pastures over there. I'm gonna run to another job because there's greener pastures over there. I'm gonna run to another friendship or whatever. We run to every kind of thing because there's always greener pastures on the other side. What I've discovered is if it's greener over there, the water bill is higher also. (laughs) Okay, it's just, it's just a myth anyway. And, and, and so Paul says we must fix, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. We fix, circle that word, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Because what you focus on is what you're drawn to. And so if you focus on the problem, if you focus on the discouragement, if you focus on the obstacle, you're going to be drawn to that. But if you focus on Jesus, you'll, you'll be drawn toward Jesus. And then here's number five. Here's number five. Keep an eternal perspective. Keep an eternal perspective. Paul says in verse 2, who for the joy, Jesus, who for the joy set before him. Don't lose sight of the finish line. Don't lose sight of the finish line. One version says this, Jesus endured because he knew that later on he would be glad he did. In the opening message in this series, I talked about how Jesus focused on the crown and not the cross. I encourage you to focus on the crown, focus on the victory that is ahead of you and not the difficulty that's with you right now. One of the most important factors in keeping your commitments today is knowing that you'll celebrate victory tomorrow. There'll come a time when you're gonna sense this deep inner satisfaction of knowing that you made and that you kept your commitment. You're gonna sense that deep joy from within. I encourage you to live for those words of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to do something today. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want all of you to close your eyes. Close your eyes and listen to this verse I read this week. In Hebrews chapter 11, listen to this with your eyes closed. Each one of these people, and he's referring back to the people in chapter 11, each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. Now, listen to this. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, they saw it way off in the distance. Now, with your eyes continuing to be closed, let me ask you a question. What do you see way off in the distance? I mean way off in the distance. I'm talking about in the latter years of your life when I don't know, you I don't know, your latter years of your life, you you know you probably don't have too many years left. What do you see? What do you see way off in the distance? I, I'm talking about when when your family is gathered around your deathbed? What do you see? Way off in the distance. I'm talking about so far off in the distance that that people are sitting in a room similar to this or maybe they're standing around a graveside. What do you see? What do you see way off in the distance? Beyond what you see, what do you hear? What do you hear people saying? This is what I've discovered is I know that you don't want to hear this an awkward silence where people are trying to struggle to find something good to say about you. And there's this awkward silence. What you do want is to have people saying things like, man, you know what? He, He really challenged me to be the best I could be. He was such an encourager. She was such a positive person. She always had an encouraging word. She was always lifting up others. He was such a person of faith. He lived every day to the fullest. He trusted God. He believed God. He was always taking big steps of faith. Yes, there were some times he, he failed, but man, he trusted God and he live life to the fullest. Look out even just a little bit further. I mean, well, how much further can you look? Well, look, look, to, look to when you're standing in front of heaven's gate. What do you see? What do you hear? I tell you what you want to see, what you want to hear, is the arms of Jesus wrapped around you and him whispering in your ear, Well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, that's what you want. God, I pray that you would help us to rise above. Would you you help us, God, not to settle for the mundane? God, help us not to to just settle for uh, faith as usual, but God, would you help us to rise above critical spirits? Would you help us to rise above bad attitudes? Would you help us to rise above negative outlooks on life? God, would you help us to to get off of the ground floor and to step out into areas of faith and to trust you, to put ourselves in positions where we need you to come through. God, to put ourselves in places where eventually we'll say, you really are the Son of God. Jesus, you are the Son of God. God, would you help us to rise above that? Help us, Lord, to be people who make and keep commitments and go the distance. Some of you here today have never made the biggest commitment that you make, the, the one that starts the first step, and that is your commitment to follow Jesus. If that's you today, I want to invite you to pray with me this prayer. And I invite every one of you here, if you're watching online, if you're at one of our campuses, if you're here, if you've made the decision to follow Jesus, would you also join in? Would you also pray uh, this prayer? Father in heaven, today I choose to follow Jesus. Jesus, I trust you. And I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be my Savior and Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen.